Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Getting an affidavit like this unsealed. We're going to see a lot more redactions than text. Understand why you would ask for a raid with a cooperating president. The seizure of Saporizia nuclear power plant. The world is on a verge of nuclear disaster. Monkeypox. The spread of the virus. This is not COVID-19. Get vaccines into arms. Broken southern border. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. Friday's edition of News and Views. And once again, judicial activism has risen its ugly head with a party-line 4-3 vote. Democrats in the North Carolina Supreme Court have ruled that voter-approved state constitutional amendments could be tossed because they were placed on the ballot by a gerrymandered legislature, so says the Democrats. The decision released today does not kill two constitutional amendments approved by North Carolina voters in 2018. One mandates voter photo identification. The other lowers the state's cap on income tax rates. Supreme Court Democrats instead sent the case back to a trial judge to make further findings before determining the amendment's fate trial court ultimately could decide for a second time to block the amendments. Uh, Anita Earls for the Democrats wrote the majority opinion. In part, she said the issue was whether legislators elected from unconstitutionally racially gerrymandered districts possess unreviewable authority to initiate the process of changing the North Carolina Constitution, including in ways that would allow those same legislators to entrench their own power insulate themselves from political accountability or discriminate against the same racial group who were executed, who were excluded, I should say, from the democratic process by the unconstitutionally racially gendermandered district, which is a far fetch. I mean, those comments are really a stretch. Uh, Amy Cook from the John Locke Foundation criticized the decision The usurper for Democrat majority has gone scorched earth on the state constitution and the will of millions of North Carolina voters. This decision crafted by notorious progressive ideologue Anita Earls is designed to appease the Democrats far left activist base, a small but well-funded base that openly rejects the very popular voter ID and taxpayer protections. These four justices, Anita Earls, Sam Irvin, Michael Morgan and Robin Hudson, are guilty of voter suppression. Michael Watley is uh, the chairman of the North Carolina Republican Party. He's on the line with us right now. Michael, welcome in. Uh, Your reaction to this unbelievable, well, it is a believable decision because this has happened before from the Supreme Court. Your thoughts? Well, look, I will just say that this is the most tortured legal theory the North Carolina Supreme Court has ever relied on in its storied history. Um, the fact that Justice Irvin would approve this ruling, uh, let alone be the deciding vote, is further proof that he's not fit to sit on the Supreme Court. And I have a strong feeling that there will be a backlash against this type of judicial activism come November. Yeah, uh, Irvin's uh, granddad has got to be rolling over in his grave. I know he's a Democrat, but I, I, I can't believe he would uh, tolerate this for one second. The the interesting thing about this, Michael, is the fact that these accusations by Anita Earl and the 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 fact that these amendments were passed by the North Carolina voters, 
there's no proof. I don't think they've done a study on this that that, that uh, any of the legislators that proposed these amendments going forward. I think there's a 60 percent majority that you need to uh, uh, put a, an amendment to the state constitution out there. But, but th- there's there's really they haven't connected the dots in, in terms of saying, OK, these illegal I mean, first of all, the whole thing is ridiculous. But even if you gave them credence, they haven't proven that the legislators that asked for these amendments to go forth were in illegally gerrymandered districts. Yeah, you're absolutely right there. You know, and and when you look at, you know, the theory that they put on the table here, if you follow it to its logical conclusion, then every action taken by the legislature in 2017 and 2018 would need to be invalidated. That includes the state budget, other laws enacted, and other constitutional amendments. You know, there were six amendments that were put on the ballot that year in 2018. Four of them were approved. Two of them were not. This theory would apply ostensibly to all of them, and yet they try and parse it even further by saying, no, this will only apply to these two of the six constitutional amendments, not to all six of those constitutional amendments. There's clearly no intellectually honest argument that you can put forward to justify this decision. Well, beyond that, I mean, if you want to, uh, if they really want to take this thing out, I mean, let's let's go back 150 years when the Democrats were in control and putting together their gerrymandered districts. Should we just invalidate every law that's ever been passed on the books for the last 200 years? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that certainly is the absurd place that this kind of a ruling can get you, you know, and, and it is judicial activism run amok. Uh, and it is it is truly uh, astounding to me that uh, they would put this type of a decision forward with a straight face, uh, you know, and, and try and argue that there's a, a rational theory, uh, legal theory that you can attach to this type of an argument. And, you know, I certainly hope that the legislature is going to appeal this up to the United States Supreme Court. Uh, we would do everything we can to, to try and support that. Um, you know, and I also think you've got to look at November where you have two uh, of the seats that are up currently held by Democrats. Uh, including Justice Irvin, uh, you know, when the Republicans win those seats, and I think a big uh, step forward in terms of winning those seats came with the decision today, uh, you're going to be able to go back and re-argue these types of cases and throw this really, truly unjustified ruling out. Well, you know, part of this case was based on a complaint that was led by the North Carolina chapter of the NAACP, and the individual, the justice that wrote this opinion for the Democrats, Anita Earls, was the former attorney for the NAACP of North Carolina. You talk about a conflict of interest. Is this is, uh, I mean, this this pales in any any compared to any other conflict of interest that's ever ever been brought up. No, it really does, Tom. And and this is why we need conservative judges. You know, we need judges that are actually going to apply the law. Uh, that 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 is put forward, you know, and we're in very dangerous territory here, where you're not only got a Supreme Court, a four-three, very 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 partisan uh, four-three majority here, 
that is not just throwing out laws that have been passed by the state legislature. They're not just throwing out congressional maps that have been drawn by the legislature. Now they're throwing out constitutional amendments that have been voted on by over 4 million people across North Carolina. Yeah, you know, we were, we're living in anarchy. I mean, I, I've been saying for a long time, you know, we're, we're coming into anarchy. We're there. When you have these kind of decisions, and there, there's multiple news stories on my desk for today in which you have uh, judges basically saying, hey, you know what, we're, we're going to – we don't care what the law says. Uh, there's, there's one story of a judge uh, in another part of the country – uh, I'm trying to remember where it was in my pile, but it, it basically he says he's going to ignore a law that's on the books that uh, would ban abortion in his particular state because he doesn't like it and he thinks it's unjust and therefore he is going to ig- ignore the law. We see that over and over again where we have these justices that are not following the law, doing what they darn well please. And uh, it, it is turning into anarchy, and and we have people that, you know, they're, they're going to do what they darn well please. And you know, if if we continue down this path, how crazy is it going to get? With we have prosecutors that are letting uh, criminals out on the street over and over and over again, and we just have uh, you know justices that just says, who cares? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because you, you hear and you re- remember, you know, the arguments that came out of, you know, our constitutional debates and, and the Federalist Papers uh, talking about concern over the tyranny of the majority. Here you have the exact opposite. Yep. This is tyranny, judicial tyranny. I mean, you have Great four activist Repu- uh, Democrat judges uh, that, that are overturning the will of 4.4 million votes that were cast in the 2018 election cycle um, and overturning a legislature which is uh, empowered by the Constitution to act, uh, to pass these laws, pass these budgets, and to put constitutional amendments on the ballot. So, you know, we, we have always believed uh, that we need to get a Republican majority on the North Carolina Supreme Court. When I took over as state party chair in 2019, first meeting that I had was with Paul Newby and we sat down and talked about how we could win Supreme Court and Court of Appeals races and we created our Judicial Victory Fund and I will tell you we have never needed it more than we do today. By the way that was a Michigan judge uh, Jacob Cunningham who basically said I don't care what the law says I'm going to declare that uh, abortions will continue. We're talking to Michael Watley who is the North Carolina chair of the Republican Party. We're talking about the the, uh, the the opinion that came down from the Democrats on the North Carolina Supreme Court, it was a 4-3 party line vote. And basically they're saying that uh, the constitutional amendments that were passed by North Carolina voters in 2018 dealing with voter photo ID and with a income tax cap, uh, Anita Earls writing for the majority saying, well, you know, we, we've got a – We've got to send these back to the lower court for them to reconsider. Now, why if, if it pretty much would appear to me that she's saying, OK, we're going to send it back to you. But pretty much she's saying we want you to declare these amendments unconstitutional void because of uh, the gerrymandering. Would you come to that conclusion? That's exactly what I would come to. And the fact that they're 
rather than deciding it themselves and, and passing it down to the lower court, is a fig leaf uh, to try and protect Judge Ir or Justice Irvin that, that will not work. I mean, the voters of North Carolina are smart, they are informed, and they are going to understand that the Supreme Court has essentially said your constitutional amendments, which were passed by 55 percent of the voters in 2018, are unconstitutional. Uh, it's, it's an appalling ruling that I just you know think uh, is going to touch a chord with the voters across this state. So let's talk politics for a moment. What does it look like in terms of uh, polling, uh, your intuition, all those other <laughs> ingredients that go into it? How is it looking for the, these Supreme Court races, these two races that take place in November? You know, what I will say is this. Uh, I will always put my uh, cautious in front of my optimism uh, as a party chair because we're 81 days out from the election and a lot can happen in those 81 days. But, you know, we feel very strong about where we are as a party right now. The American voters and North Carolina voters are fed up with runaway inflation. They're fed up with runaway fuel and gasoline prices, fed up with runaway, you know, prices at the grocery store. And a Democratic Party that has not only caused this inflation and these these rises uh, in prices, uh, but they're they're refusing to address them, and 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 they're trying very hard to try and distract the American voters by saying, "Don't pay attention to what's happening at your kitchen table. Don't pay attention to what's happening, you know, with your jobs and your family. Uh, you know, go ahead and vote Democrat because we're we we care more. Uh, it's not going to work. And so when we add the judicial races that we have here, two seats that are up, both of them held by Democrats. If the Republicans win one of them, we're going to get the majority. I think, frankly, if we win one, we're going to win both. And uh, we, we have seen polling uh, over the course of the last week that shows the Republicans are up uh, four to six points in these races. Um, and we're going to continue to do everything we can to support them and uh, know that the, the North Carolina voters are going to be informed voters when they go to the polls. Talking uh, in to deeper politics, um, there's a new poll out from Civitas saying that Ted Budd and Cherry Beasley are in a tie, 42.3% for each of them, 12.6% um, remain undecided, 2.7% support either the Libertarian or Green Party candidates. You know, for a long time, we thought that this would be a tsunami wave in favor of Republicans. Yesterday, Mitch McConnell came out and said, well, you know, I don't know if we're going to flip the Senate or not, probably flip the House, but I don't know about the Senate. Um, why the, I mean, are the polls incorrect? Why the backpedaling by Mitch McConnell? And why haven't we heard more from Ted Budd? Well, I think Ted is out and about moving. I actually, uh, we just uh, had an event for him in Gaston County where I live. Uh, just an hour ago. Uh, so uh, he is definitely out and moving around the state. You know, I think the fact that uh, that uh, coastal elites from California and New York are flooding uh, Sherry Beasley with his wants to spend so that she can be up on, on TV and has outspent, uh, you know, the uh, Ted, you know, significantly so far. Um, you know, I don't put a lot of stock into that right now. I think at the end of the day, when the voters start cluing in, uh, following Labor Day, uh, I think that we're going to have uh, a steady drumbeat of people who are going to understand 
that Sherry Beasley uh, supports every single one of uh, Joe Biden and Chuck Schumer's agenda items. Uh, she supports the policies that have increased gasoline prices, grocery prices, and inflation, and they're going to make an informed decision. You know, North Carolina, we have 30 percent of our uh, registered voters are Republican, 34 percent are Democrat, 35 percent are unaffiliated. And so every election is a very, very close election. You know, you go back to 2020, uh, 5.5 million votes cast, and the margin for Tom Tillis was 95,000 votes. You know, so so we're we're a state where 52-48 is a landslide. We know it's going to be close. We're going to have the most uh, expensive Senate race in the entire country. Uh, and everything that we're seeing right now from Ted Budd, uh, he's focusing on the things that he needs to be focused on. Uh, and uh, that he is going to be able to get his message out over the next 81 days. What is the pulse of the unaffiliated voter? Uh, I, I mean, it seems like a lot of the polls have the unaffiliated voter leaning Republican. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's absolutely accurate. And if you look nationally uh, at independent voters, which is a little different from unaffiliated, but independent voters uh, nationally, uh, believe that, that Joe Biden is doing a terrible job. Uh, if you look at, at his approval ratings among independents, it's under 40 percent overall. It's under 40 percent for his handling of the economy. It's under 40 percent uh, for him handling gas and grocery prices. So uh, we think that the, the unaffiliated voters in North Carolina are in a great place. Uh, we need to get about 55 percent of them uh, in order to overcome the, the registration gap. But that's a number that we are very comfortable with in North Carolina. What about the Democrat voters? I, I would think that, I mean, you know, it's not your grandfather's Democrat Party anymore, granted. But there have got to be a, at least a handful of Democrats out there that have had it. Yeah, I would think that there will be some level of crossover. But I think the more important thing is that a lot of the Democrats are just not going to vote. Yeah. Because you, you yeah. cannot look at what Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer are doing in Washington or what Governor Cooper is doing in Raleigh and have any sense of excitement whatsoever about the election. So, you know, I think that, that it's far more likely that those registered Democrats are just going to go home. Uh, they're going to stay home and they're not going to vote. And, and, you know, frankly, every Democrat that doesn't vote is a vote for us. Bingo. Michael, thanks for joining us this afternoon. And uh, as I say, uh, keep praying for North Carolina, praying for America, because uh, with, with this judicial activism taking place all across the country and North Carolina Supreme Court is Exhibit A, boy, we need to make sure that come uh, November we have a majority in the North Carolina Supreme Court. Well, I could not agree with you more, and I definitely appreciate the opportunity to hop on with you and, and talk to your great listeners. All right. Thank you. Michael Watley calling in from uh, Raleigh and uh, his view on this uh, disastrous opinion. Not a surprise. I mean, we expected this to to happen. Uh, It is interesting that, uh, as Michael pointed out, that uh, this is no doubt going back to the lower court. You talk about politicizing your judicial decisions instead of just coming out and deciding what they want. In their efforts to try to protect Sam Irvin, they are putting this back to the lower court, letting that judge do the dirty work. But, yeah, at the end of the day, he's going to come out and he's going to say, due to this racist gerrymandering, we've got to throw out these two amendments, even though 
millions of North Carolinians voted for them. 55% of them voted for these amendments. Uh, yeah. Pray for America. Pray for North Carolina. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Whatever it takes. I love the in my this is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in weekend weather forecast. This is going to be a little cooler than it was, uh, well, last weekend anyway. Scattered thunderstorms tonight, uh, low around 70. Chance of rain tonight, 70%. Saturday, mostly cloudy. A stray shower or thunderstorm is possible, high around 86. Tomorrow night, more of the same. Uh, low chance of uh, thunderstorms, but a passing shower is possible. Uh, low near 70. Sunday, isolated thunderstorms in the morning. The mainly cloudy during the afternoon. Uh, high of 87. Again, the chance of rain Sunday morning, 70%. Scattered thunderstorms uh, Sunday night again, low in the upper 60s. Uh, When I was talking to Michael Watley about uh, this judicial activism, the one story I was sharing with him, I want to give you a little more detail. Because progressives, with progressives, and it's just beyond the pale, the ends justify the means. They don't give an iota what they do as long as they get their way. They don't care if they cheat on the elections as long as they get their way. They don't care if they have justices creating law as long as they get their way. Uh, The Blaze is reporting a Michigan judge has blocked state prosecutors from enforcing a nearly 100-year-old abortion ban that would have gone back into effect after the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. In a decision siding with Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer, Judge Jake, that's all you need to know, siding with her. Judge Jacob Cunningham on Friday issued a temporary restraining order following a two-day hearing. He said the people of Michigan would, quote, suffer irreparable harm if the injunction is not issued. Cunningham ruled that criminalizing abortion squarely contradicts our medical professionals' duties, oaths, and standard of medical care. So protecting the life, trying to save the life of the unborn, it goes against uh, their oaths. That's interesting. The variable danger of death, serious injury, infertility, abuse, forced pregnancy, poverty, etc., all testified at the evidentiary hearing, all stem from imposition of the statute. The harm to the body of the woman and the... You can tell this person is woke. The harm to the body of women and people capable of pregnancy. (laughs) Can't make it up. Um, Anyway, it was a 1931 abortion ban. But what's really interesting here is Republicans came in, those wanting to make sure that the abortion ban would stay in effect, the 1931 abortion ban would come back into effect and remain there, Um, this judge basically just dismissed the witnesses that took the stand for the pro-life movement and just simply said, well, these people's testimony, it's not credible. (laughs) They, They brought forth a Dr. Coleman, an expert in uh, psychology of abortion, decision-making, and mental health outcomes. She testified about her research. Ah, that's not credible. I'm going to dismiss that. Um, they had another woman, Dr. Priscilla Coleman, 
Um, she came forward, and Gianna Kazen London, and he just dismissed him. They're not credible. No, I'm not going to. No, they're not credible. <laughs> yeah, so much for justice being blind. By the way, Fox News is reporting just to our south. Two people were bitten this week on the same day by sharks in Myrtle Beach. One with uh, one of the victims having to receive literally hundreds of stitches to put them back together. A woman was uh, a, a grandmother was in wastewater in the ocean, and uh, she looked down and there's a shark on her arm in there with her grandson. It happens, uh, you know, a lot of times we're, I mean, many times we're out in the water and the sharks are there. Why they happen to be biting down on Myrtle Beach this week, I don't know. News and Observer is reporting Wake County Sheriff's Deputy Ned Bird was remembered with tears and laughter for his selfless fulfillment of adventurous life. Uh, one of the things friends noticed about Bird was how strong he was both physically and mentally. One of his close friends said the biggest muscle in Ned's body was his heart. Hundreds of people, many of them law enforcement officers, filled Providence Baptist Church in Raleigh to honor Bird, who was fatally shot while on duty a week ago. He's only 48. The funeral came a day after the arrest was made in the shooting. Um, Art Marin Citello was arrested and charged with Bird's murder. Wake County Sheriff's Office has said there would be more arrests down the road. Hey, we've got to take another time out. Stay with us. Much more to come on Friday's edition of News and Views. We'll be right back. Your 5 o'clock drive. The drive home should be a delight. This is Tom Lamprecht with more news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. I referenced the uh, Civitas poll when we were talking to Michael Watley about the uh, Bud Beasley dead heat. The poll goes on to talk about some other issues and other contests. The leads Republicans saw in previous months are starting to close. In June, GOP candidates had an 11.4% lead over Democrat Party candidates on the generic state legislature ballot. Now that gap has narrowed to five points. But uh, again, note that typically, historically, Democrats lead by five points. So while that means, okay, if that's the case, we've gone from about 16-point lead to a 10-point lead. 10-point lead is still a landslide, Let's, although we've got to keep an eye on that. Um, this month's poll includes questions regarding North, Carolina, North Carolinians' trust in governmental institutions – 70%, had little or no faith in Congress. Wow. 70.7 had little or no faith in Congress. Only 4.1 expressed a great deal of confidence in Congress. Less than half of likely North Carolina voters expressed trust in the Supreme Court or the FBI. The majority of those have little to no trust in the Supreme Court, identified as Democrats. 
while a majority of those who have little or no trust in the FBI identify as Republicans. A total of 74.2 of Republicans say they have little or no trust in the FBI. 77% of Democrats have little or no trust in the Supreme Court. Um, Why are people not trusting in the FBI? Well, you want another example why? The Blaze is reporting on August the 17th. Was it two days ago? Former FBI Special Agent Robert Cicerino signed a plea deal, an agreement, admitting having paid a business to permanently erase data from his hard drive so that forensic examiners could not analyze its contents. The data he had wiped out was considered relevant to former state Senator John Woods' corruption trial. Woods was convicted of mail and wire fraud in 2018, having received kickbacks for directing funds to the Excelsior College in Springdale. The FBI agent admitted in the plea deal that he had raced the contents of the hard drive, knowing that the court had ordered the computer to be submitted to an FBI forensic examiner in Little Rock. He uh, he stated his intention was to make the contents of the computer not available to forensic examination. The former FBI special agent also stated that he knew the contents of the hard drive were relevant to an official proceeding. He, uh, the name of the proceeding is, is uh, listed here. KATTV reported that the FBI agent has been charged with corrupt destruction of record in an official proceeding. He could face up to 20 years in prison. Well, why? Why would he go to prison? I mean, this is rather strange considering Hillary Clinton did the exact same thing and nothing happened to her. I mean, all, all this guy, this FBI agent, all he has got to do is just say, well, I didn't mean to. Ooh, oops, I didn't mean to. <laughs> well, too late for that. You've already spilled the beans. Um, yeah, but hey, guy Hiller got away with it. Why should this guy go to prison? Former State Representative Micah Neal secretly recorded conversations with the former Woods State Representative, State uh, Senator, in hopes of aiding investigators and um, lightening his own sentence, he uh, pled guilty to one count of conspiracy to commit honest services fraud on January 4th, 2017. Using an audio recorder disguised as a pen, he taped conversations which were referenced in the Woods trial. The FBI agent, who later made copies of the audio recordings, reportedly provided the court with only 39 of 119 audio files ahead of the trial. When asked to provide the remainder, there were noticeable gaps. Now they're gone. So, uh, and listen, I know I know there are a lot of good FBI agents. I mean, we're told that over and over again. But it seems like the bad guys are making a lot of headlines. There must be a, a, there must be a sizable number of bad agents in there for all the corruption that continues to come out time after time after time after time. And it, wouldn't it seem logical? Now, granted, uh, according to uh, Jim Jordan, there have been agents, whistleblower agents, that have come forth from the FBI. He said, I think there were 16 earlier this week. And some of them came forth directly related to the Mar-a-Lago raid. But wouldn't you think of the, I mean, was it like 
How many agents showed up at Mar-a-Lago? I mean, it was in excess of 20. Wouldn't you think that at least one of them would come forward and say, you know, I, 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 can't, I can't let this go on any further? A week after the FBI raid on Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence, Rasmussen released a poll. This is a week after the raid, indicating that 53% of Americans – this is all Americans. This isn't just Republicans. 53% of Americans believe the FBI is, quote, Biden's Gestapo. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, telling it like it is. So Biden and the Democrats have made no secret that a major priority of theirs is combating a so-called climate emergency, especially when it comes to the recent passage of the misnamed Inflation Reduction Act. I mean, this this Inflation Reduction Act is, A, it's only going to make inflation a whole lot worse, but B, it is just full of green energy socialist programs. It's just full of it. According to yet another poll, most Americans don't have that issue at the top of their list, far from it. In fact, while Dems are ramping up the issue and spending billions on it, most Americans view climate change Their view of it is shifting away from the alarmist view that the Biden administration holds and is trying to propagate. A write-up from the Associated Press highlights contrast between American attitudes now and in August of 2019. While a plurality of respondents in both surveys say they are extremely or very concerned about climate change, it was much higher in 2019. In other words... The, the panic on climate change is going in the wrong direction for these progressives. In 2019, the survey said 44% said that they are extremely concerned or very concerned about climate change. 29% said they were moderately concerned. 25% said they were not concerned at all. This time, that 44% has dropped to 35% that they were extremely or very concerned. up from 29% said they were moderately concerned, and 32% said they're not concerned at all. That's up from 25%. So it's definitely going in the wrong direction. But even more importantly, how important is it for voters? Well, in the survey from earlier this summer, There were 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 issues that were listed in this APNORC survey. And climate change came in second to last. The only thing that came in lower was COVID-19. Those are the two issues that the Democrats keep wanting to pounce on. Those are the two issues that they push hard over and over and over again. I mean, even even today, even even though we have the CDC coming back, oh, we made some mistakes. Yet you still see the COVID as an issue. Listen, all you got to do is look at a progressive newscast. Go to a progressive website. One of the lead stories is "Ah, COVID's still an issue. Better watch out. Ahead of climate change was cost of living, personal finances, inflation, gun issues, politics, health care, immigration, foreign policy, abortion, women's rights, education, 
and then climate change. Pretty far down the list. And yet that's what Joe keeps pushing. Stay with us because uh, the, this I've got another story on climate change and John Kerry. This will make your blood boil. Why does John Kerry keep pushing climate change? As much money as his wife has, apparently John wants more. I'll tell you all about it when we get back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Uh, real quickly, another reason to uh, love Ron DeSantis, the Republican governor of Florida. He announced yesterday that 20 people in the state have been charged with voter fraud and what he described as the opening salvo and cracking down on voter violations. DeSantis said the Florida Office of Election Crimes and Security and Florida law enforcement had charged 20 people with voter fraud as a part of a 2020 election integrity investigation. The 20 people charged had voted illegally, even though they had been convicted of murder or a sexual offensive felony. So in other words, these were felons. They weren't allowed to vote and uh, they violated Florida law. But he said this is the first round. There's much more to come. So uh, thank you, Ron DeSantis. Another reason to put him high on your uh, tickler list looking at uh, the next president of the United States. The Daily Caller is reporting that John Kerry, the guy that flies all over the world in his gas-guzzling jets, uh, there was an investigation, an inquiry via the Freedom of Information Act into John Kerry, who is the special envoy for climate, concerning how much money John Kerry is being paid. What's even more interesting about this is in this investigation, they have found that the going through the Freedom of Information Act, the emails that they have uncovered points to the fact that John Kerry's office is no longer even sending emails or text messages. Why? Because they want zero paper trail. So all discussions are either in person or on the telephone with a vocal call. American taxpayers are continuing to be kept in the dark in terms of how much John Kerry is making off the government dole. In March, Boston radio legend Howie Carr announced that the Kerry's office told the Boston Herald, where Carr also writes a column, that the paper would have to submit a freedom of information request if they wanted to find out how much money John Kerry was making. But get ready for it. They would not hear back until 2024. According to the Herald, the State Department, which oversees the Climate Office, felt that the paper's inquiry did not meet the standards for an expedited response. That's pretty much all you need to know, right? The State Department Freedom of Information Office told the paper that its request does not demonstrate a compelling need for the requested information. Therefore, this office denies your request for expedited processing. Again, can you imagine if this was a conservative you would have every liberal paper and every liberal cable news network and the three major networks. This would be their headline night after night after night until that conservative said, I surrender. But guess what? It's not happening to John Kerry. 
The new report from Fox shows that even if the Herald did meet a compelling need, certain elements might have been kept out of the freedom of information thanks to sneaky staffers. Looking at the State Department's process and response to this request, the American public would be hard-pressed to believe it is a part of the most transparent and ethical administration in history. That's what Biden keeps telling us. That's what Obama told us, right? That they're totally transparent in the history of the world. The most honest, transparent administration. Can't make it up. How much does John Kerry make? None of your business, American taxpayer. Up yours. Interesting. This might give you some insight into uh, Ohio is a bellwether state. Representative Marcy Kaptur released an ad today. She's a Democrat. Democrat Ohio Representative Marcy Kaptur released an ad today decrying President Joe Biden. Basically, she now what's interesting about this is in 2020, she said it would be my honor to not just vote for Joe Biden, but to for work to, to work for him and Senator Kamala Harris. Today, she released an ad basically trying to separate herself as far as she could from Joe Biden and his deals with China, especially his deals related to uh, solar panels and how she has constituents that are manufacturing solar panels. She's trying to run as far away from Joe Biden as she can. Um, It's not going to work for her. Uh, She's in a pretty tight race with a uh, R.J. Majoski. And uh, looks like uh, that, that race could go either way. But the point being is... Joe Biden is an anvil around the Democrats' neck. I know the polling looks like uh, it's getting tighter for Republicans, but uh, according to the sad, not good for her. Hey, have a great weekend. We'll do it again on Monday. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>